So welcome, welcome, welcome. If you've got your Bibles with you, why don't you take them out and turn to the book of Philippians, chapter 1. And today we'll be looking at uh, verse 28. Philippians 1, verse 28. And this is what it says. And not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. Another translation, another another version puts it this way. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed but that you will be saved, and that by God. Verse 27, we covered that, uh, verse 27, um, last week and the week before, and this is what it said. It says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come, this is Paul speaking or writing, and see you or am absent, I may hear of your fears, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And then today, verse 28, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. So two weeks ago, we started in verse 27 of Philippians 1. And um, it um, starts off saying, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. And that's all we looked at the whole meeting. Just that phrase, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. There we saw Paul asking his readers, his friends, those he's writing to in Philippi, um, to live a life that matches what they believe. And then I made the statement saying that what we believe shapes how we behave, shapes our, our, our lifestyle. And then um, last week we continued with the rest of verse 27. And we noted where Paul asked his readers, his friends in Philippa to live a life of unity with each other. It's one thing to live together. It's another thing to live together in unity, in unison. We can agree, and as we agree, we move forward. For to, um, divided, we fall. United, we stand. Then today, verse 28, we will see that Paul will ask his readers, he will ask us through, through this amazing epistle, to live a life of confidence despite opposition. To live a life of confidence despite opposition. Many Christians today and around the world panic under pressure. Panic under pressure. Thank <laughs> you. 
Why don't you just love family, united together? Eh? <laughs> okay, let's let's focus again. Let's focus again. Verse twenty-eight. <laughs> And not in any way terrified of your adversaries, which to them is proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. Many Christians panic under pressure. Many of us panic under pressure. It does not take much for some people to cave into um, adversity. And this verse addresses how to orientate ourselves when we are under duress. The reality for us as Christians is that we are forever under pressure. Forever under pressure. Why? Because of what we believe and what we stand for. When we stand up for what we believe and that shapes our lives, we have people opposing us. The world is opposing us. Without even trying, they are opposing us. So we are under pressure. But we are not to panic. Verse 27 from last, the last two weeks exhibits the need to match our life with our lips. The need to match our lives with our lips. And our behavior with our testimony. It is important for us as Christians to match our lives with our lips. So what we say needs to match up with what we do and how we live. Our behavior has to um, be a testimony to the world. But that is going to come with a price. When we share Christ, adversity will come. So Paul starts off in this verse and says, And do not, and not in any way, terrified by your adversaries. The word terrified means to be frightened, to be startled, to um, be surprised. You know, like a bird, surprised and startled and flies away when you do that. This is what terrified means. Some Christians flutter at the first opposition of their testimony. Do you flutter? Do you, are, you, are you courageous with your testimony? They shy at every shadow. This is panic, and panic is not the root. Christian forces disperse at the first person who says, Boo! With regards to opposition to our testimony. If a Christian can be intimidated, his testimony will be neutralized. Paul continues and says, not in any way. Not in any way. And this means that there should be no circumstance, no occasion that we are disorientated. The believer should stay his course. We should never hit the panic button. A believer should never become disorientated with what we stand for, what we believe. Now why do I say that? Why do I say that? Now, you remember what Revelations 12 verse 11 says. It says that, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. Now, that scripture, that verse has um, uh, not startled me, but it's uh, kind of, 
in some ways confused me. And the reason I say that is I often thought that this testimony that it's speaking about is the testimony of my salvation. And when I compare my testimony, my story of my salvation when Christ plucked me from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and I compare that to other people, my, my fellow Christian friends, uh, my, my testimony is not as maybe as powerful as their testimony. You know, they were this and they were that. They were in darkness. And God plucked them out and brought them into the kingdom of light. I was not as bad as they, as, as they paint their, their pictures to be. But then God still plucked me out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. And for years, I would be like, oh, well, my testimony is not as, as powerful as yours. So it's not as, maybe not as powerful. It is valid, but not as powerful as yours. Yeah, you used to do A, B, C, D. God pulled you out. Man, your testimony is greater than my testimony. Until as I was reading and, and praying about this, you know, my testimony, your testimony is unique to you is unique to you. Whether you were a bad person in your previous BC life, or you were just a mediocre person, but both of you, whether you're bad, 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 or okay, you were still bad. You were still in the kingdom of darkness. Both of us were still in the kingdom of darkness. And God, by His grace, by His love and His mercy, He plucked both of us out of this kingdom of darkness. And then and put us into his kingdom, the kingdom of light. So we are not to, to um, diminish our testimony. Because my testimony holds power. Not because of who I am, not because of what I've done, but because of who has painted this testimony. Because of who has plucked me out of this place. It's him, it's not me. It's him, it's not you. And that's why we are to often remember this testimony. But the, the second part to that is, uh, in my head, I always used to think it's got to do with salvation. Yes, it has to do with salvation, but it's more than salvation. That's a beginning part. But the day you are saved till today, there are many, many testimonies that God has allowed for you to have in your life today. Remember that song? It says, count your blessing, name them one by one. Has anyone ever tried to do that? Often, but good luck because you haven't achieved it, hey? You haven't achieved the whole. You, ca you cannot list the whole, the whole list of the blessings that God has bestowed upon you and us. We can start, we can try, but we cannot. It, 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 the, the list is endless. And there is testimony found there. So what is your current testimony? What did God do for you today, yesterday? That is a testimony in itself. And it's powerful, not because of um, who you are, but because of who has allowed it to happen in your life. Because of Him. When you give it to Him, He gets the glory. He then uh, overcomes, or we together overcome the enemy by the word of our testimony. We are then grateful for who He is in our lives. And then we look at Ephesians 6 verse 12, which says our, uh, our fight is not against flesh and blood. Not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, 
against the rulers of this darkness, um, of, the, of the darkness of this age. So um, we're not fighting each other physically. There are, there's, a, there's principalities, there are things happening behind the scenes that we do not see. But we as Christians, those who are plucked out of this kingdom that was full of darkness and placing the kingdom where it's full of light, we are fighting against those adversaries, against those, those uh, principalities. But we don't fight with our hands and uh, shotguns and weapons that are formed on, on earth. We fight for the weapons that are um, given to us by the Spirit of God. We just fight in prayer. And we have to do this all the time. Every occasion that we're able to be or to do this. The Christian is not to be afraid because of all of our testimonies. When you have those testimonies, you are not afraid. Your, your mind kind of wants you to be afraid. The circumstances that are uh, around you almost want you to be afraid. But when you remember what God has done for you, where you find yourself, we cannot, be, we cannot help ourselves but not be afraid. Because if God came through for me yesterday and the day before, He will come through for me today and going forward. He will. He is faithful, His word says. He is faithful. So we as Christians are not to be afraid. God does not like it when we have any kind of fear other than the fear of losing His approval. What do we fear most? Um, last night we had dinner with a, a wonderful couple and um, they're going through a, a, a season of uh, change in their lives. But there's apprehension, there's, there's fear. And so I asked them, what is your biggest fear? And uh, the answer was, our biggest fear is fear of failure and fear of man. And I just sat there and I thought to myself, but isn't that true of us all? In some way or other, we are afraid of failure. But who defines success? Who defines success? Is it man or is it God? So if you are successful in God's eyes, but you're a failure in man's eyes, who do you align yourself to? Who do you align yourself to? And the failure of, uh, I mean the fear of man. It's a big one. Fear of disappointment. Fear of disappointing my wife. Fear of disappointing my children or my boss or whatever the case might be. The only fear we ought to have is the fear of losing God's approval. Why? Because we are his children. And he loves us. And no matter the course, remember uh, Philippians 1 verse 6, it, we, we, we spoke about this uh, many months ago, and we um, reminded ourselves that he who began, began a good work in us continues it and will bring it to completion. He will bring it to completion. So we are not to fear man. We are not to fear disappointing each other. If we are basing our lives on him and we are, we are focused on pleasing him, everything else 
will fall into place. And yes, other people might be disappointed in us, but that's okay, as long as God is not disappointed in us. Because we live to please Him. Uh, I don't know whether it's a scripture or it's a saying that we, we've heard, I can't remember, but um, we live for audience of one. Is it a scripture? No, it's just a saying. It's a very good saying. We live for the audience of one. And who's that audience? Not your wife, Henrik. <laughs> no. The audience of one, Jesus Christ. The one who has saved you. The one who is your number one fan. Your number one fan. See, it is uh, likely that the Philippians, like Paul himself, were under pressure from pagan people to abandon their faith in Jesus and their Christian lifestyle. This situation, says Paul, referring to their continued faith in the midst of pagan opposition, is a sign of destruction in their case, but of the, the, the people in uh, the Philippian church salvation. And then he continues, continues and says, which to them is um, proof of perdition. Proof is a sign. Proof is a testimony. Proof is a declaration. Their courageousness is the double symbol. Our courageousness as Christians is, is the double symbol to the world out there. To their adversaries, a sign of destruction. To their fellow believers, to our fellow believers, a sign of salvation. If a non-believer cannot shake you from your testimony, it shows them that they are on the wrong road. They can take... Your house. They can take your bank account. They can take your business. They can take all these things. The world can take all these things away from you. But when you are unshakable because of the truth that you stand for and the one that we hold on to, the rock of ages, the one who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. When we stand that, um, with that ground, we are unshakable. And those who take away can see that the game is up. They can do whatever they want to do. But you remain um, focused. You remain firm. You remain completely sold out to Him. Remember what Jesus said? said, in this world you'll have many, many troubles. Many troubles. But take heart, for I have overcome it all. Take heart, for I have overcome it all. However, when we are holding on, when we are unshakable, when we are, when we are plugged in um, to Him who's, who is never changing... This proof that Paul speaks about does not come from you, but it comes only from God. Only from God. Those without Christ see their doom in you. 
the world is not interested in an anemic, spineless Christianity, but is impacted by courageous Christians. Can you, have you ever um, heard of many, maybe strong, strong is the wrong word, but uh, Christians who have passed on, they've gone to glory, but man, they left a legacy here on earth. Why? Because they were courageous. Why? Because they stood for what they believed in. When opposition came, they still stood. I want to be that kind of Christian. That I stand for this Jesus that I'm preaching about this morning. That when adversity comes, when the troubles come, when all these um, uh, things that the world throws at us comes, I still stand strong. When disease comes, when financial woes come, when my bank account is gone, no, my business is just no longer. Whatever the case might be, I'm yet still standing on the rock of ages. Rock of ages. And that's a hard thing to do when you're in yourself. When you're trying to, be, uh, to, to hold it up by yourself. Actually, we need to be uh, yielding continually to the, the Holy Spirit. He is the one who helps us to hold on to, to Jesus Christ. He is, but we've got to sell ourselves to Him. We've got to give ourselves to Him. In fact, uh, I mean, He's purchased us. We are His. We are slaves to Him. No longer slaves to sin and slaves to the world. We are slaves to Him. That's almost a, a, a negative connotation, being a slave. But in, in His uh, kingdom, it's a glorious thing. It's a glorious thing. I was just uh, someone... You know, obviously the queen passed away this past week. And it's a big thing, of course. Uh, but it reminds us that all of us are going to also enter into... We will leave this earth and go to another. Go to be with Christ Jesus. And someone wrote an article about this, the, the queen. And uh, they said, The queen lived for 96 years. Of those 96 Maybe about, I don't know, maybe 86 of those or maybe 80 of those. You know, she, she, she was, um, wherever she went, she had, an, she had something. Like when the queen walks in here, uh, like we all stand up and we all queen. You know, like we give her the honor that is due her name. Um, and that happened for 80 odd years. She had power. Because of her lineage. Because of where she comes from. We have power because of our lineage. Because of where we are from. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And one day, the, now the Queen um, goes and lays her crown. Her, her man-made crown, in inverted commas, before the King who owns all crowns. All crowns. That will be us too. We will go and be with our king. And we will lay our little crowns before him. And that's when he will say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome to, or enter your rest. Those are beautiful words. Beautiful words. When the world rises up in hostility towards God's people, that's you and I, and when God's people stand firm, it intensifies the difference between 
us and the world, uh, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. The world in such a situation is adding to its sin and increasing the grounds of its condemnation. But the church in such a situation where it's uh, standing firm is suffering for the sake of Jesus and is laying up for itself a great reward in heaven. The Christian's fearlessness is sealing the destiny of both sides, sealing the doom of those who hate God and sealing the rewards of salvation in those who are living for Jesus. With our testimony, with a testimony of salvation, who of us actually spends time at maybe remembering the day you were saved? I'll be honest, I don't often remember that, that day. In my day to day, like it's, I'm, I'm saved, it's, it's, I'm grateful, but it does, it's not a thought that often just will come, okay? But man, when I'm in the, in the, in the uh, place where I'm, I'm alone with God, and I remember the testimony of how and what He took me away from, what He saved me from, and what He's given me, the, the path that He's chosen for me, my heart cannot help but be grateful and be thankful. And I wonder whether we often think of that or not. When was the last time you remembered when you were saved? Or how you were saved? Where you came from? How did it look like? And I know some people say, no, when I was young, I got saved when I was 10, 11, you know, I've grown up in a Christian home, so my life wasn't as bad. I will remind you that you were lost, you're in the dark. Whether you were saved at, at 10 or 20, you were still in darkness. You were, you're, you were destined to face an eternity away from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And by His mercy, by His love, He has he wooed you, He called you into His kingdom so that you can spend eternity with Him. And sharing our testimony with courage is a token. It is a sign, a proof of our salvation. It symbolizes the reality of it. One reason some Christians do not experience the reality of their faith is that they never put their faith on the line. Our faith will prove itself to us when we use it with courage. When we are in a situation and we have an opportunity to maybe present um, our uh, testimony, how often do we shy away from that? I'll be the first to say I often do. Just this very, um, yesterday, someone um, who is not uh, in the kingdom of light, uh, in the, in, totally in the kingdom of darkness, and they are proud to be in the kingdom of dar- <laughs> darkness, sadly so, they um, invited, uh, invited us somewhere, and uh, so I said, no, so it was a Sunday. They said, on this such and such a Sunday, would your son, Daniel, they invited Daniel to go somewhere. And um, 
uh, I then replied and said, no, sorry, um, Sunday we are committed to uh, something else. He cannot be a part of whatever, whatever. It was a birthday celebration that, that they were inviting him to. And I told this to my dear wife. And she says to me, that's, that's wonderful. Did you tell them why we can't make it on that Sunday? <laughs> and I said, no, I said, yeah, I said that we have another commitment. She said, you should have said, we have church on that Sunday. And uh, I was like, how, how can you say that to me? Like, you, you, can't, like uh, you know, I'm trying to be PC. I'm trying to be, oh, no, we got another commitment. She's like, no, you've got to say we have church on that Sunday and therefore we will not be a part of that because this is a priority to us. And I said, but I mean, I don't want to label. I don't want to label my child. I don't, wanna, I don't want him to, oh, he's a church girl. He, he. And she says, but when those people are in trouble, when, they need, when, when something happens and they, they need to look somewhere, where do they turn to if they don't know that you're a churchgoer? They don't know that you believe in God, in Jesus Christ. And I had to walk away with my tail between my legs. <laughs> <laughs> and say, oh yeah, you're right. You're right about that. But I was shying away. I was shying away from my testimony. From my, actually, this is what I believe in. This is a priority in my life because of where I've come from and because of where I'm going. And I'm proud of it. Rather than, no, we've got a commitment. We're not going to be there. Um, so, you're allowed to go and clap for my wife <laughs> later. And then it ends off in verse 28 saying that, and that from God. The proof to Christians of the reality of their faith also comes from God. It is God who gives that proof. It is by his order and or plan. God is interested in his cause. So he actively gets involved in your and my testimony. He actively gets involved in your and my testimony because he's, he is concerned or he, he wants, uh, his word will not remain, will not return to him void, he says. It will, be, it will achieve that which he has sent it out to. Our testimony is a much more powerful thing than most Christians, than most of us, than I realize because God works through it. And if that's the case, because God works through my testimony and your testimony, it is more potent than most of us realize. Because God is at work in it. doesn't matter how small you think it is or how insignificant you might think it is, the fact that God works in and through your testimony means it is powerful. It is powerful. And the question I have to ask is, when you share your faith, do you panic or trust God to use your testimony? When the opportunity comes, to share your faith. Do you panic? 
Do you hide? Do you remain PC? Or do you boldly say, actually, I'm going to share because I believe, I know what's happened. And um, um, God is busy in my testimony. He will do what he needs to do to achieve what he needs to achieve. And there's one truth that we need to remember as Christians, as dear brothers and sisters. I cannot argue with your testimony. People cannot argue with your testimony. It's yours. It's you. You have experienced it. You cannot tell me what I'm telling you is is not real because you know what you've gone through. You know what God has done for you. And so we have to stand up in 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 a courageous way and proclaim and speak when the opportunities come. It's not Bible bash and be these uh, Christians who are seem, seemingly just over the top, as God leads, as He allows for us to do all the things that we are called, that He's called us to do, we have to stand in a courageous manner and allow Him to work through what we are sharing. So Paul asks his friends and his readers to live a life that matches what they believe. He asks them to live a life of unity with each other. And then he asks them to live this life with confidence despite opposition. And I'm going to ask us um, if we have any testimony we're going to share. Or maybe we can pray for you. Or uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust God to do that which he needs to and he wants to do with us this morning. Through this word, the fact that he's, uh, we are to, uh, to allow us to match our, our lips um, and that we are to live in unity and we also to live a life of confidence, which is a hard thing. It's a hard thing to live a life of confidence when we are faced with so much opposition. But with God, it is possible.